Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum, Risk Nation. Thank you for tuning in and welcome back to the show. My name is Ahmed Manawar, joined by Defender of Common Sense, Saeed Ali. Assalamu alaikum. So now it's my first name. Okay, cool. So yeah, we're, we're, we're mixing it up. All right. And I keep you on your toes so you don't keep interrupting me. <laughs> that actually worked. I was going to. Huh. So where have we gone so far in this journey? We've covered the the sunnah of minimalism, the sunnah of zuhud and being detached from the dunya and living in the world like a traveler, as the Prophet Sallallahu told us uh, to, to do. We've talked about some of the very real and practical and pragmatic benefits of adopting a minimalist lifestyle. Uh, the benefits to your pocketbook, the benefits to your time, the benefits to your mental health, the benefits to the environment, um, the increased social consciousness that comes with being a minimalist. And we've talked about really the forces that try to, to, uh, to pull you away from adopting a more responsible and minimal lifestyle, namely the habit of shopping, the the marketers that are out to get a piece of your wallet and are, uh, you know, flooding your mind and your inbox and your mailbox with promotions and deals and coupons and Apple iPhone membership packages <laughs> and God knows what else. Oh, and fictitious holidays in the case of China Singles Days and pretty much every single holiday that we celebrate here in the West. Yeah. And now... We're going to acknowledge that, you know what, despite all of that, despite all of your better judgment and all of our advice and all of our good intentions, you're, you're probably still going to buy a whole lot of stuff that you really don't need. And yep. you have to do something with it. Yeah. So this is the opposite end. So last time we talked about shopping being the thing that you do that you know enters you into the consumer culture, that, that you buy stuff that really you don't need, that you probably didn't know existed until it was marketed to you. But when you buy something, you own it, and eventually you're going to have to throw it away because you don't keep everything. I mean, uh, there's a f many examples of this, but now we have this <clears throat> whole movement spurred by a book that we'll talk about in a sec uh, of decluttering and what it's like to, or, or what's the best way to get rid of the stuff that you needlessly bought. So think about that. You know, last time I tried to, you know, poke fun at the idea of shopping, how we go out and do this thing um, where we go out to buy stuff that we don't need and probably didn't know it existed. And it's a pastime. It's therapy. It's something that we do. And then how weird is shopping? Like we're not buying something that we need. It's just buying for the sake of spending money. Oh, we got to drop that Dave Ramsey quote. Do you remember what it was? Oh, yeah. I wrote it down. I totally forgot about it. Um, we, 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 I, no, I have it. I have it. I got it in my, to my head. We buy stuff that we don't need using money that we don't have to please people that we don't like. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. It's perfect. That's exactly what we all do, right? We, we buy stuff that we don't need. It has no real utility, no real value. It doesn't really provide any kind of fulfillment to our lives using money that we don't have because most of us are in debt or at the very least we're spending money on things that where the money could have otherwise been spent towards producing some better outcomes in our lives. Yeah. To please people that we don't like. I mean, whose agenda are we serving by shopping? Yeah, and if we got to buy something in order to impress people, which is true for almost everybody in almost every circumstance, if we have to buy stuff to have some sort of a wealthier appearance to please people, probably don't like those people. 
Absolutely. So this really hits home for me, Saeed. Yeah? Decluttering? I am in the process, the painful, painful, painful process of moving from one house to another. Mabruk. Wish you the best. Zakulakh, Lagbarakfik. Um but it's it's yeah, it, it, don't move is my advice to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone listening? If you're thinking about moving, just don't do it. It's, your, your life will be much simpler. Um, you'll have um, you know more time, more hair in your head, yeah. um, and you won't be better like I am because moving is an absolute nightmare. Yeah. On one hand, it's actually a blessing, though. I mean, everything's a blessing in the end, but there there are benefits to moving, and namely, it is the process of decluttering. Mm. Well, not the process, because I got to be honest with you, the process itself is really painful. It's the <laughs> outcome is what's what's rewarding. So right. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we we tend to not really sit still very long. So we've we're in our current house. We've been here for about four years. Oh um, yeah, that's that's good. good which time. is our longer longest stint, and we've been you know we've been this is our third place. So we're going to move to our fourth place now. So we tend to really not sit still for, for for very long. And one of the benefits of that, I'm not saying that you should do what we're doing, but one of the benefits of that is we tend not to accumulate that much stuff because we don't spend a lot of time in in one place. Um, contrast that to my parents, for example, um, who have lived in the same house for 45 years. Wow. I think 40, 40 to 45 years. Yeah. Um, and you can imagine, even if you're not a, you know, you're not a hoarder or you're not some, a person that gathers things naturally, if you live in the same place for that long, you're going to, you're going to, you know, accumulate a lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. we're, we're not, we're not like that. Definitely. We haven't accumulated that much, but even for us, just four years of settling in and, you know, we've had, you know, alhamdulillah, a couple of kids in that, you know, roughly that yeah. amount of time, um, we have accumulated much more stuff than we care to admit. And it's only now that we're moving that we're actually coming to the full realization of how much stuff we actually have. And I think that's stark because I know I've known you for a long time and I know that you are not like you, you are probably one of the few people who even know what minimalism is and do try to live that lifestyle to to you know whatever extent you choose to like you you I know you and your wife don't go out and buy stuff just for the sake of buying stuff and when I come over I'm always impressed with how mashallah how wide open and big your place feels because it's not cluttered with a whole bunch of stuff and I've been to you know I, I know some of my friends and family when I go there they have these enormous homes that just feel small because there's so much clutter everywhere, so much stuff that they've bought and decorations and ornaments and whatever. And with your place, like you are very cognizant of how you decorate your place and it's not like pedestal here and table there and all that kind of stuff. It's really refreshing when I come to your place. Like I actually learned from you that like, yeah, you don't have to buy a whole bunch of stuff and sell, uh, and put everywhere. And even still, you feel like you've got a lot. Well, I wish I could take credit, but to be honest, it's, my wife's motto is very simple. You don't need to put something in every corner. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? It's just leave it. It's empty space. Open space is good. Just leave it. It doesn't, you don't need to put something there. And that's, that's really the temptation that people have when they're decorating their homes is like every wall has to have something on it. Every corner has to have like a little table or like you said, a pedestal or, or something. It's got to be there. Right. But no, I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to. So, so definitely the, the experience of moving has been, um, has been, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm, re- I'm actually right now, right smack dab in the middle of it. I actually yeah. get the keys today. Oh, and, wow. And we're actually moving next week. So literally my house is full of boxes. So your timing couldn't be better. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, 
I remember this process because uh, after our, um, my wife and I got married, my my mother in law uh, had to move uh, for health reasons, and she had been in that home for over twenty five years and three kids and. The amount of stuff that we pulled out of that place, like just hidden in all kinds of corners and little storage areas that, you know, nobody like remembered about for years and years and years. Like there was a, you know, my wife rented a big, one of those big bins, like a, like they, they, they drop on your lawn, you fill it up, they pick it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and filled it. And gave so much stuff away on uh, websites like Craigslist, Craigslist and Kijiji's, our Canadian version of Craigslist. Um, gave stuff away, sold as much as possible, uh, and still had one of those huge bins of stuff. Is Kijiji Canadian? Only? Yeah. Yeah. It's so Canadian too. What a stupid name. <laughs> only, only Canadians do stuff like that. Kijiji? It's just dumb. <laughs> like that, yeah. that's, that's so befitting of a company whose $1 coin is called the Looney. <laughs> and and no no and it gets better and it gets better. Honestly, Canadians are ridiculous. And whose two dollar coin is called what? The Toonie. <laughs> Did you ever stop to think about how dumb that sounds? It's, it's no, bad it's enough a, a the one dollar coin is called a loony. Why? People might not know, but there's there's a picture of a loon on the one dollar coin. So yeah, a loon is a bird, a, a lake bound bird. I wish very... I could say it's unofficially called the loony, but I think it's pretty official. Like everybody calls it the loony. Actually, and, in, in the international market, uh, everybody has different nicknames for their currencies, right? Like, I mean, not necessarily nicknames. Like, in Britain, it's, they, they call it the pound, the euro, the franc, whatever. Uh, the, the U.S. dollar, either people say the dollar, more likely, but back in the day, people used to call it the greenback. Mm. But in financial markets, when people are talking about the Canadian dollar, nobody says the Canadian dollar. They say the loony. The loony. Which is fine. I can live with that. But then they come up with a $2 coin, which was a few years later, and some creative genius <laughs> over at the, the the Department of Finance or whatever no, it may be. Bank of Canada. Bank probably. of Canada said, hey, I got a good idea. It's probably some intern, right? Some millennial <laughs> or whatever a millennial was back then. The, yeah, exactly. Millennials were like five. <laughs> <laughs> the equivalent of a, you know, whatever, a Gen Yer then, whatever it would yeah. be. Somebody said, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we called it a toonie? <laughs> I remember when they first came out. I remember when they first came out. And I remember the news stories that were on the radio because I was in the backseat of my dad's car. We're going to school and hearing about the the new two dollar coin and what it's going to look like, and that we're going to call it a toonie. But yeah, the, the the naming is is hilarious. But yeah, with my back to my um, mother in law story, like it was it was quite it was really really stark how much stuff. Like stuff that she had bought over the years that the price tags were still on them. And they were from like the 1990s. Mm. And they were just going out into land because they c- couldn't give it away. It was clothing or bed sheets and they weren't in style. People didn't want it. And it was just going to landfill, unfortunately. Like it was just going completely to garbage. And we spent about three months only on the process. Three months. My wife actually at the time, uh, because my mother-in-law was sick, she wasn't working. She had to leave her job. So three months full time. And my wife is an incredibly highly educated, talented woman. She had to spend three months of her life just throwing stuff away, selling stuff, and then renovating the place. It was incredible how much stuff got thrown away from a five-bedroom home that was there for 25 years. And it's to be honest, it's not at all surprising. It's no. not at all surprising. I dread that. I dread that reality for my parents when we have to uh, you know, when, when they decide to move and they because they've been there since ah, twenty eight years now. And, and, and the I, norm is the tr- the truth is the norm is actually much worse than what you just described because most people their their houses are bursting at the seams with stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And then they also have a storage unit. Yes. <laughs> you know, outside of their homes, they have another like space that they pay money. They pay money to rent this space outside of their homes so they can put more stuff that they don't ever use or need. Can I tell you how much money? Uh, you got a number? I do. Oh, no. This is going to be bad. In the U.S., there's 52,000 facilities, storage facilities, paid self-storage facilities. It is considered to be, or it is, yeah, considered to be a $25 billion. Oh, boy. That's worse than uh, Singles Day in China. (laughs) Remember that? Singles Day in China, if you listened to the last episode, was a a $9 billion day. The Chinese consumers spent $9 billion on this fictitious holiday that the government made up to get people to spend money. $25 billion is the storage industry's number in America, right? Yeah. Annually. Yeah. Isn't that worse? Like significant, like you're not even buying something for $25 billion. Yeah, I got to say, Ch- China looks uh, looks pretty good right now compared to that. <laughs> um, I assume you've seen Storage Wars. Um, I've seen, uh, is that like where they, they buy storage units to buy stuff? That oh, they it's sell? a great show. You got to watch it. It's a great show. It's on TLC, um, Storage Wars. Yeah. And it's it's exactly that. It's um, It actually is really an incredible illustration of what's wrong with that storage industry is that yeah. most, not most people, but very, very often people don't check into their storage units. Uh, they they stop completely paying. forget what's in there and they stop paying because we don't need that junk. It's out of our house anyways and we don't miss it. So they stop mm-hmm. paying. And then what happens is the, the storage, uh, the storage unit owners, uh, people that own the place, they then put those units up for auction and it happens often enough that there's a television show about it. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that there's a business, but there's there's a tele- television show about the business. So not only are people making units. a living, making a living buying stuff from abandoned storage units and then selling it, <laughs> but there's enough of these people doing well enough to fuel a television show that is wildly popular on TLC. Wow. Yeah, that is really funny when you point it out. And it, it's incredible that this drive to buy stuff is so strong that storage is such an important factor when people buy homes. Like how much storage space is there for us to buy stuff and fill it? I remember uh, the place that we live in now, when we toured through it, there were so many closets and areas for stuff to go into. It was so much that my wife and I were like, okay, this is so much storage that if we ever fill it, we have a problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, that's that's me. That's my life right now. The last that place was- that we lived in before this house <laughs> yeah. was a condo. And it had, like any condo, it had that one, like, you know, the storage locker in the basement, right? Yeah. And that was always enough. It, we never, like, we never filled it, ever. Oh, nice. And then now we have, like, a unfinished basement. Yes. Which is a curse. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> when, you, when you don't want something in front of your face, when you want to just get rid of it, it like it just goes. To, that's like purgatory, right? It goes to the basement <laughs> and to to await its its fate, right? But it waits lo- a long time because it's out of sight, out of mind, and it just stays there. Purgatory. That's what it is. I we actually call it that. That that's what it is. And you now call, we're awesome. moving, and we have much less storage space because the basement's finished, and so there's like a little like storage closet. And now we have to take all this stuff that was otherwise filled like an entire floor in our basement and <laughs> condense it down to a closet, which is why it's a good exercise. But yeah, it's crazy. It's like one of the top things that people look for when they're when they're looking for a house is how much storage space is there. Yeah. So you're now spending money on living expenses, mortgage, rent, whatever, to buy a home that is actually bigger than what you need to live in because you need to buy extra home 
so that you can store stuff that you're not you i mean you're not using it if it's in storage by definition right you're not using it if it's in storage and having enough space to put stuff in that you're not going to use is costing people a lot of money and why why is there such a proliferation of this culture you know we've touched on this a couple times but buying meaningless stuff it's so easy it's so automatic it's what we're so conditioned to do and it's so bad like this automatic behavior of buying stuff is so bad that we actually have to go through an effortful process later to get rid of it and purgatory as for the basement ahmed that is such an amazing word because that means anybody who has a storage space that is like purgatory and everybody does what you're doing is you're basically saying this is stuff that I don't need, but I don't want to go through the effortful process of deciding whether to get rid of it or not. Mm, yeah. So I'm just going to leave it here for now. And I tell Shaniza, my two most hated words, my phrase that I hate the most is for now. Shaniza is your wife, by the way. I don't know if you my know wife. that. Yeah. <laughs> I tell that that's my, my most hated phrase is for now. Like put this here for now. I really, really dislike that because not only does it mean that you're, something's in purgatory, but it's unfinished, and I hate things that are unfinished. Like I, projects that are half done drive me up the wall. Or like you bring something in, in, in our place, and then you leave it there for now because you're going to put it away later. I hate that. Like just put it away now. Get done with the job. But that purgatory thing, like, yeah, I know my parents, they have the whole basement. It's like that. They have a storage facility, like the, the, the factory that they own. Um, that's become, well, actually our storage space. Part of it. <laughs> so, so you just have free storage. That's that's your solution to all this. Yep. Yep. Just dump your stuff on your parents. Yeah, and a- annually we make uh, a trip. It's like our Umrah. We make a trip to the to my parents' factory, and we just look. It's one room, one shelving unit in a room. It's not that big, um, but we're like I, I always go in there once a year just to say, all right, what am I getting rid of now? And it's actually only boxes of stuff. I like to keep things. If I buy something. I like to keep the box for a year in case I need the warranty, which has never actually happened, but I still do it out of habit. So every year I like I look I go in that room and I say, okay, all these things are out of warranty now because I've had it for more than a year. I can get rid of it. It's dumb, but I do it. Way too much time on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so this idea of storage that that we have storage to to buy stuff and put stuff into storage is incredible. It's kind of crazy. Choosing not to purchase something is actually harder. Like to, act, to go through the process to see something that you like in a flyer or an email and then say, no, I'm not going to buy it. Even though you may have the room on your credit card and you may have the room in your checking account, you may have money in your checking account, for you to say, no, I don't want this is actually more effortful and in some cases more emotionally draining than buying it. It's easier to buy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do, do you want to bring up uh, th- the book? <laughs> The book that sparked all this uh, all this talk about decluttering and the movement that came with it. Let's do it. There's a book written by a woman named Marie Kondo. Um, called, Japanese? Is she Japanese? Jap- she must be. Yeah, I mean, the book's about Japanese decluttering. So, yeah, it must be. Okay. The book is called The uh, the Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. What a title. Incredible. Can you, can you make decluttering any more interesting than that title? Yeah. And the subtitle is The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing, which is art. even better. Everyone loves Japanese art. Oh, my joy. We have joy <laughs> and we have art. Yeah. And joy, it's really, that's the pivotal word here. 
Joy is the theme that you find throughout the book. And I didn't actually read it. I read blog posts about the book and book (laughs) reviews and book summaries, but I got the gist of it. And for most books, especially ones like this, if you just read a summary, you'll get the gist of it. But joy is really the theme that she, she likes to harp on. And what... What the book really is, is although it's a book about the process of decluttering and tidying up, it's actually more about a philosophy of owning things. Yeah, I I thought that was interesting. So what she says is, when you declutter, when you start to question your possessions and what you have, first of all, you shouldn't be asking yourself, what should I get rid of? You should be looking at all the stuff that you have and ask yourself, why should I keep this? Oh, so we, we flip that decision on its head, which most people, you're right. When you're looking at something in purgatory, it's should I get rid of it rather than should I keep it? And what she, the, the, the operative question here that she suggests that you should ask yourself is, does this bring me any joy? Mm. Now, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, it's a little bit too fluffy for me, but I get it, right? Like what am I, what value, like I'm a lot more, um, you know, logical in my thinking, I guess, but. Economic uh, for uh, sure. Whatever it may be, but I would think of it in terms of like, what utility do I get out of this? That's an economic term. Exactly. What yeah, is it same. doing for me? Right. Yeah. Uh, the same thing, right? Like, so you, you really have to look at all your possessions and ask yourself, if I keep this thing, what's it doing for me? And if mm-hmm. I get rid of it, what have I lost? And if you're, if you're honest with, the, with yourself when you ask those questions, you'll get rid of a lot more stuff than you'd think. Yeah, so he, she, she actually um, advocates like taking everything and putting it into a big pile, right? So what she advocates is basically going through a very systematic process of tidying up. Uh, mm. So instead of what many people do, and I guess what some of the gurus have suggested, is that you go, like, you go through your house one room at a time, and you clean one room first, and then the next one, the next one. She suggests taking a category approach to decluttering. Right. So you go through one category of stuff before you go to the next one. And the one that she recommends beginning with is clothing. So literally you take all of your clothes, you take them off of the she- the, the hangers, out of the shelves, and you throw them all on the ground. And, and you like, sort through all of your clothes. So clothes that you might – and actually that's interesting because it's when you say not just one room at a time – if you say clothes, you may have clothes in your closet. You may have clothes in the guest room closet. You may have clothes in the front door closet. So take all of that. You may have clothes in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> take all of that, put it in one room, throw it on the floor, and then go through the process of sorting through it. And, of course, I mean, she's a little bit wacky as far as I can tell. Um, so her approach <laughs> to sorting through things is um, a little bit, you know, it's a little bit creepy. Um, like she'll actually, she'll actually say like, go through and like touch every item of clothing and like feel it and like caress it and talk to it and, you know, ask it like what it's doing for you. Um, wow. I don't, I don't really know if that works. Honestly, <laughs> I've never tried it. I, on the one hand, I kind of get it. I kind of get it because when you, when you actually like give a piece of clothing or any item, your, your full attention and you, and you're touching it and, and it's in your hands, then you kind of bring a sense of awareness to yourself of of this particular item and the value it brings to you, and and perhaps that makes it easier to to make that decision. I guess that's yeah. the idea. And I think what she attempts to do here is to acknowledge that it, this that it can be an emotional process. There can be uh, memories and nostalgia attached with, to everything that you own, and maybe you you know you summon those memories and you appreciate them, and then you either choose to keep it or you thank it for its service. Literally, right? Like. If you're going to throw something away, let's say you're going to throw a sweater away, she says to thank that sweater for its service to you. 
and then you choose then you discard it exactly so that's that's a big thing because I, I guess one of the reasons why why we keep stuff is because there's some level of emotional attachment to the thing whatever it may be right so i can hear the disgust in your voice I, <sighs> look <laughs> my family knows i'm like the last person to get sentimental about stuff yeah um but you know i'm, I'm sure i do yeah. Uh, no, I definitely do. Look, no, no, I, I definitely do, and I know because we're 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 moving now, and so we're going through my books, oh, and my notes. So I, okay, you know, I'm guilty of it. Hey, look, hey, I admit it. I am guilty. Guilty as charged, okay. right? Some people have have their 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 little quirks. I have mine. Mm-hmm. Mine is I can't get rid of my old moleskins. No, oh, those old notebooks. Yeah, all my old notebooks going back ten years. Uh, I can't I can't get rid of them. I have to keep them. <laughs> Honestly, and my, it drives my wife crazy because I've got like a stack, it, like it takes up a shelf. Uh, but I can't do it. How often do you go back and read your never. old? Your old... <laughs> never, never. Only when we move. <laughs> I I didn't even like finish that question. Never. I, well, because I know what you're not asking. It's a logical <laughs> question, and, and I know the answer. It never. But I go through them and I think, oh, that was a good idea. I should keep this. So I don't know. I mean. I get it, right? So the the process of thanking your stuff for their service, the benefit that people get out of that kind of a, that kind of action is that it allows you to acknowledge the the value that this thing brought into your life and say goodbye to it. And I think the example that she gives is, let's say your sister, uh, you know, gifted you a sweater, which is pretty common actually for me. <laughs> <laughs> Hope she's not listening, but um, you know, and that sometimes it's like, you know, you just want to get rid of it, but your sister gave it to you. So there's that, there's that sentimental value. Um, right. And there's the fear of, well, I don't want to offend her. Right? right. So in her method, you thank it for its service and that, you know, you thank it for being that, that symbol of the love that your sister has for you mm. and you let it go. Aww. It's not my words. It's her words. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, that's I, I I get that it's kind of uh fluffy, but I understand why it's so popular when, you know, you read that and how she you know, goes through the emotion of decluttering. I can see why that's popular. Isn't it one of the top uh books on Amazon? Oh, it, this thing is huge. It's it's not even a book, it's a movement really. It's yeah. wildly popular. Top 10 on Amazon, and I guarantee you a lot of our listeners have actually read it if not heard of it. But look, let me let me tell you. Let's bring this home. Let me tell you what I get out of that, without having read the book. <laughs> what I get out of it is you have a relationship with everything you own. Mm-hmm. There is a relationship. There's a subtle relationship um, that you have that you need to acknowledge, and by acknowledging it, you can really begin to question which of those relationships are worth pursuing and continuing with. Mm-hmm. And. Um, well, that's it, pretty much. That's what I get. Yeah, and you know, the two main points that I wanted to um, come back to, uh, or sort of maybe action items from this podcast, is I want us to take a look at this word called storage, and how much we value storage, and why we value it. Why are we paying more in rent and and mortgages or whatever in cost of living? Why are we paying more? For storage, why are we buying storage units? Why do we have stuff that we're, by definition, not using, and storing? 
it is a strange thing. It is a strange concept. that is relatively new, and we really should evaluate ourselves. My and I, my ears are the closest to my mouth, so my, my I'll do this myself first. We really should evaluate the stuff that we are storing and how much we value storage space, because it's so strange of a concept to keep stuff that we don't need. And uh, as Ahmed admitted to very courageously, that the storage space that he has in his basement is just purgatory. It's not even really useful stuff that is definitely there because he doesn't need it now, but he might need it later. No, it's purgatory. I don't know if I want this. I don't want to go through the effortful process of choosing to get rid of it. So I'm going to leave it in purgatory. And we're all guilty of that. So the idea and concept and the value that we put on storage, I think we really need to evaluate that each individually. And another thing is I wanted... The other uh, action item, the other big objective for this podcast was for us to recognize that everything that we buy, the thing that you're about to buy right now or tomorrow or that you have in your Amazon wish list or your shopping cart at your favorite store, the thing that you're buying eventually is going to need to be thrown away. Like everything you own, you can't take it with you to the akhirah, right? So at some point, whether you have to declutter because you're moving or your kids have to empty out your home because you've passed away, at some point, everything that you're buying has to be thrown away. And maybe we should all, maybe we would all be better off, myself first, um, in recognizing that as we're purchasing something like a popcorn popper. That's a very morbid closing thought. Sorry. But, but popcorn. <laughs> Popcorn. No, that's the popcorn's good. Yeah, no, that's 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 much brighter to to end the episode <laughs> with. No, I think it's 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 a good point and well taken. And I think you know one of the one of the things to consider is really how much space do we need as a whole, right? We're talking about storage, but I mean that ties back into the idea of 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 how large your home has to be. Right. So a lot of times you you know you opt for the bigger house just because you need it to put your stuff, whether it's storage or stuff that you quote unquote use, right. um, you know, four people or five people don't need a mansion. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but quite often we convince ourselves that we do. So that's, that's a big part of this. We didn't get into the tiny house movement. I do want to talk about it one day cause it's really, really an incredible story. Right. Uh, hopefully we can get to another day, but if you have time, Google the tiny house movement and you'll find this whole movement of people that have opted to live in houses that are less than 200 square feet. And while you're on your computer Googling, head on over to RizQwise.com, R-I-Z-Q-W-I-S-E, or R-I-Z-Q-W-I-S-E for our American friends. And subscribe to the email list. Half of the learning or the, the, the information that we put out comes in those emails. Um, they have a good summary of what we're talking about in the podcast. So if you want to listen to a podcast again later, you can search through it for your email and you'll get a description from your email. So head on over there and sign up. You can also sign up for our podcast through uh, Stitcher. And I think we are on iTunes too, right? Like iTunes is part part of our thing, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're, de- yeah. we're definitely on Stitcher, 100% for sure on Stitcher. So if you have an Android um, or any other phone that supports Stitcher, uh, head on over to Stitcher and uh, you can subscribe to us there on Stitcher. I was going to say, if you have an Android, um, you know that door that you have there? If you ever want to like have like, you know a really effective way to hold the door open, uh, just put your phone down on the ground right in front of the door. And that's probably the most useful thing you can do with it. Oh, shots fired. Uh, and leave us a review. Uh, it, it's good to help. It allows us or it gives us the ability to, you know, get more people involved and uh, hear the, the show. So please do leave us a review on Stitcher and iTunes too. For sure. 
Thank you so much for listening. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.